Whether you are starting a business or running a business, maybe you're producing a podcast like The Kara Golden Show. Let's face it, it's always way harder than one might expect. Lots of little details, meticulous planning, producing product, guest coordination, editing, promoting each episode. It's all a ton of work. Managing merchandise, managing cases and book sales too, layer after layer of complexity. And if you're like me, looking for ways to operate more efficiently and effectively is the name of the game. That's why I'm going to let you in on a little secret. ShipStation, the tool that is here to help you and you need to know all about it. With ShipStation, you can integrate with all the places you sell online, optimize your shipping, save costs and time. Personally, ShipStation has been a lifesaver for me. Its automation features allow me to manage orders from anywhere and print shipping labels with just a click. Seriously, it's that easy. And the cost savings? Unbelievable. With discounts up to 89% off carrier rates, you can't go wrong. Significant savings. And who doesn't want that? An easy-to-use dashboard, robust reporting. Oh, and did I mention that over 130,000 companies have leveraged ShipStation to grow their businesses? Not much churn either. 98% of them stay with ShipStation because it truly works. ShipStation is it. So if you're ready to streamline your shipping process and focus more on what you love, head over to ShipStation.com, the innovative tool that helps turn your shipping challenges into opportunities for growth. Go to ShipStation.com and use code CARA to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, code CARA. Use code CARA for a free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, promo code CARA. I think literally every single person in an organization needs to go through the journey of what it feels like to not feel included. and has to make the personal commitment to see the world through another person's eyes. I am unwilling to give up. That I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get knocked out. Knocked out. So your only choice should be go focus on what you can control. 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 Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Kara Golden Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders. We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden, and this is the Kara Golden Show, and I'm so excited to have my next guest here, Liz Hilton Siegel, who is the managing partner for North America at McKinsey. And I'm very, very excited to have her here for a number of reasons, but for just a little bit of background on Liz, she is one of the managing partners at McKinsey and Company North America, which is an amazing, amazing consulting firm that has helped so many companies throughout many, many years. And she leads the firm in the US, Canada, and Mexico. She's served several clients over the course of her 
tenure there and on boards as well. And uh, she's just a true trailblazer and is the first woman to hold this office at McKinsey, which is super awesome. Thank you for for uh, stepping up and, and taking on this responsibility. I love it. And she's an avid champion of inclusion and diversity and women's advancement. We're going to talk a little bit more about that and about what she sees going on out there too. So thank you, Liz, for coming and joining. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Yeah, awesome. So tell me a little bit more about your background before McKinsey. What were you doing? So look, I joined McKinsey uh, out of college. I am a born and raised New Yorker. I am the child of two PhDs in psychology. My mother was a, a professor of graduate students in psychology, and my father was a senior executive in business. So I found that, you know, coming to McKinsey was an opportunity to make businesses more successful, but also to understand, you know, how people work and how you can help them achieve their full potential. I love it. And so did you always, even when you were in college, did you think, like, did you know what a consultant was when you were in college? I mean, what was like... No, you know, my... my sisters were much older than I was growing up. And so my one of my sisters was 10 years older than I was. She had a good friend in college who was an investment banker. So I had it in my head starting in about middle school that I wanted to be an investment banker. But when I got to college, I had the opportunity to run the newspaper in college. And so I would you know go to class occasionally, but mostly focus on running the business, which was the newspaper. And through that experience, I learned a little bit about what management consulting was and thought, that might be a nice way to begin my career in business. Did you ever think that you would be there this long? And I, right? I had no idea. I had no idea. I was pretty much focused on the couple of years before business school. And here I am about 30 years later and uh, still loving it. What do you think is the, is the thing that people don't know about having the consulting as a career? Like, what do you love about it so much that you think a lot of people might not realize? You know, you you have an opportunity to learn from so many amazing executives. The whole thing about consulting is that you're partnering with another person to help them achieve something that they think might be both amazing and maybe impossible. And so through my career, starting even, you know, my first year out of college all the way through now, you get to work with leaders who really teach you something about how to mobilize people to great things. And so you have the joy of achieving things together, but also the constant learning from others. I have always loved that. I love it. Very, very cool. It's almost like coaching in some ways, right? But I, I think that you've also got the ability to go and look at so many different companies along the way too, which I think is is super cool. You learn a little bit about how do how do people inspire others? How do they, you know, give them a sense of belief or how do they give them a sense of their own strengths that make people take risks or try things they wouldn't otherwise try. So it's, it's fun to see others lead and to learn from that. That's awesome. So you are a huge champion of inclusion in the workplace. You wrote an amazing article recently called Five Ways to Design a Better Mental Health Future for a Stressed Out Workforce. I'd love first to talk about the inclusion side and kind of where, like, when did you really start thinking that it was something that you would become, did it come naturally that you, did you get assigned it? I mean, did you start seeing it in some of your, your assignments that you were working on or, or where did this, this whole topic, because I think you were very early and kind of looking at inclusion in the workplace 
overall. And I'd love to kind of hear where that stemmed from. Yeah, you know, look, I think it, it stemmed from a, a couple of different places. Certainly, it partially stemmed from my own experience, right? I have I have been the person who was the only woman um, in a business meeting of men. And the firm has, through our women in the workplace research, done quite a lot of analysis and understanding around the topic of what does it feel like to be an only and what is that unique experience? So there were certainly times. How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years, helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long-term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is the Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, the Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? 
you can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is super well done, I think. It makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of The Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for The Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. When I felt as if my own experience set or my own inclinations were not necessarily welcome and they were quite relevant to the question at hand. I, I can remember being in one client situation where we were having a conversation about a business that was looking at a digital grocery experience. And I finally just literally said out loud, folks, I think I'm the only person in this room that actually does the weekly grocery shopping. So let me give you my point of view on what would actually be great to have in that experience and what probably wouldn't be that great. So that sense of feeling that a a discussion would benefit from a diversity of perspectives and not always feeling like those perspectives were valued, that's part of it. You know, there was another experience I had, it was actually in the context of my daughter's school, where one of the students gave a speech about whether or not she felt she was able to be her full self in a certain context. It happened to be at a camp and how she realized in the context of that camp that her performance wasn't at the full potential it could be at because she didn't personally feel comfortable. And she, her reflection on that experience at camp made her realize that maybe she wasn't being her full self at school and that might be actually having a consequence on her schoolwork. And as I listen, listen to this relatively young person give this speech mm. in a, in a uh, school environment, it made me, it dawned on me wondering how many of the folks in my work environment don't feel that they can do their best work because they are not necessarily able to bring their whole self to work. And when you really think about that, does a person feel comfortable being who they are and what they bring? And, and that sense of I belong and I am welcomed for who I am there's such an amazing correlation to a person's creativity, to a person's willingness to take risks, to a person's willingness to go the extra mile. That's part of what just makes me feel so strongly that I'm happy that we're on the journey, but I think there's a lot more that we can do to really ensure that everyone feels a true sense of bringing their best self to work. And then obviously through that, the best work comes out. Yeah. And I, I just also believe that it's not something that's a checkbox, so either like bringing, I, you know, so often, I'm sure you've been in the same situation where it's like, okay, let's get one more woman in here in the room or 
let's get one more woman on our board. I've certainly been called for a few of those. And I really think that it's this, how do you change kind of the conversation? And how do you really understand the rest of the people in the room to to kind of hop on board with this? Because I think that that's where I feel like people get stuck too, that it's not just a checkbox. It's actually more than that. It's a, it's sort of an attitude and, and that you need to bring in there. And so how do you do that? Like, how do you, you know, advise companies to, to really do more than get one more person in the room that it's a different gender or different color or, or however you want to, you know, look at it. I, I think that that, that is sort of the challenge that I think so many people are are kind of grappling with. Yeah, look, I mean, the, the diversity side of the question, meaning literally, is there a presence in your organization of people of historically underrepresented groups is certainly a part of it. And, and this Women in the Workplace survey that I mentioned that we had done, you know, would suggest that, that on the question specifically of women in the workplace, we are seeing positive advancements. So an example might be at, at entry level, you might now have about 47% of entry-level employees are now women, which is up 5% in the last five or six years. And in the C-suite, it's now at 21%, which would be a 22, 22% wow. over the last five or six years. So look, we're making progress. But what you see is that in, in even that very first promotion, so the very first step between entry-level and manager-level, companies will already lose out. So, so the the diversity side of it or the just the presence side of it, I think does require real persistence and, and a willingness to look at the numbers and to look at the numbers in an active way. You know, on the inclusion side, I think it is much more personal. I think literally every single person in an organization needs to go through the journey of what it feels like to not feel included and has to make the personal commitment to see the world through another person's eyes. And to really understand people. And I, I have tried my best to um, just get to know people personally. Because I feel like if you know them personally, it makes such a difference in terms of being able to welcome their ideas, to give them the space to maybe suggest a change that they feel they fear is unwelcomed. And so I think, you know, the responsibility of leaders is to, is to create an expectation that we are going to look to be more inclusive. But the reality is, is every individual person needs to go through that journey for themselves and to find their own ways to make a connection with a much broader group of folks in their organization. I think that's so, that's so great advice for that. Uh, so the, so let's talk about the article uh, that you wrote on mental health. And, and I think that this is so top of mind for people too, especially people who are like me managing teams of people, I, as I've shared with friends, I think that the interesting thing uh, in managing during the pandemic is that it's uh, people that you would not have expected to kind of show up with mental health issues, that this is, you know, kind of the breaking point, whether they have elderly parents that are living far away that they haven't seen for months, or now they're homeschooling their kids that, you know, one day they're at school, the next day the school's closed down and sort of they're dealing with that. They really want to do work, but it's, we've seen a few cases. Um, in our company and, and sort of some with some of our partners where we're really watching people that we wouldn't expect. So talk to me a little bit about what you guys have seen. Yeah, you know, look, this has been an area that's always been a, a passion point for me. I, I am, uh, you know, since, since I was young, like certainly since high school, it was very clear to me how important certain very basic parts of well-being are. So I, I've always been an eight-hour night sleeper. 
Like even back in high school, people would joke about it. And certainly I saw that as I, you know, came into my professional life that, you know, the basics of, you know, sleep and exercise and food are so critical to how a person does in terms of their own performance and productivity. And so, you know, my, my take was that if at any time I saw somebody struggling at work, you know, work, which might manifest itself in yelling in a, you know, in a, in a high tense situation or might manifest itself in tears if somebody's feeling like they can't, they can't figure out the path forward for themselves, almost always what's behind either the tears or the anger is, is some fundamental, whether it's sleep or exercise or uh, community or, or eating is just not being met and they're overwhelmed by their responsibilities. This has always been something that I cared about, but more recently with, you know, kids in high school and college, just the prevalence of mental health issues among 18 to 24 year olds is just extraordinary. And since um, McKinsey, you know, hires so many people that are just out of college, it's their first job. It's been very much top of mind for me, which is how do we embrace really supporting people both in mental health, behavioral health, and in overall mental well-being. And the the context of COVID has just amplified it. I mean, mm-hmm. the CDC came out and said that about 41% of American adults are struggling with mental health issues. I think that's about 75% for, for kids 18 to 24, young adults 18 to 24. And so it's just, there's no question that that is a leader of any organization, but certainly in business, we have to take this on and we have to decide that there is a modern way of leading that really helps people uh, take care of themselves. And, and in the, in the context of COVID, where, as you were talking about, you know, people are balancing their family commitments and their work commitments. We, the same survey I mentioned earlier, women in the workplace, we found that 54% of senior women have described themselves as chronically exhausted during this time. Mm -hmm. And about 2 million women are thinking of leaving the workforce. So the sense of urgency, not just about productivity, meaning are you getting the best out of your employees, but also are you ensuring that you will continue to have a diverse population and a set of leaders, particularly among women, we just need to take this on. And it, it can be everything from pure positive elements of well-being you know, which I talked about earlier, whether that's sleep, exercise, proper eating habits, and being with family and friends, all the way to really, you know, severe issues around anxiety, depression, substance abuse. And it doesn't make a difference where you are on the spectrum, but the whole idea that as a leader in a modern organization today, you can provide support to your colleagues that brings out the best in them. In my mind, that is the responsibility of all leaders today. And and there are lots of things that we can do to make, to make things better. Absolutely. What's McKinsey doing today, like just as as a company um, to really support their employees? Yeah, I mean, so look, one thing we started during COVID was a very simple thing, but which is every Wednesday early in the morning in at least the U.S. time zone, a one question survey goes out. Sometimes it's two two or three questions, but it it always starts with how are you? Mm -hmm. And you have the opportunity to answer great, good, okay, bad, or terrible. And what that does is that allows us to get an automatic pulse every week of how is everyone doing. And then we have the benefit of knowing that both by geography or by practice area and also by role, by you know potentially what somebody's tenure is in the organization. We also know things like, you know, are they a dual career family? Are they parents? What's their, what is their own context? And that has been extremely helpful in us just getting a sense of how are people doing? How are people doing over time? 
And what can we do as leaders, you know, to intervene or to provide more support? You know, another thing that we're doing is just talking about the idea that that well-being and maintaining one's well-being is a skill. And, you know, we teach a lot of skills. We teach problem-solving skills. We teach communication skills. We have all kinds. I mean, McKinsey prides itself on its learning culture and its professional development culture for young people. But the whole idea that well-being is a skill and it's a skill that we value because we think it's something that enables you to bring your best. You might work really hard and then you might say to yourself, you know, now is a moment for rest and recovery because if I rest and recover, then I'm going to be even that much better the next time I'm at it. So that's another thing we're doing. You know, a third thing I think is really equipping our managers and leaders with the understanding of how to engage a colleague in a conversation about how they're doing. One of the things that I think is most sad is when a colleague doesn't feel comfortable raising their own personal context with their manager. And I I talked a little bit internally about a situation many, many years ago when uh, I was a new a new manager and someone came to me and told me that he had not been able to finish his assignment. And I was completely focused on the assignment and I was trying to help him understand what to do and 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 so forth. And what I completely missed is that he was actually having a breakdown and he was a person who suffered from manic depression and was going through an episode. And it was about two days later, they came to me and told me what was happening for him. And I think now, you know, how embarrassed I am and how sad I am that I didn't stop at the moment he said to me, I wasn't able to get the assignment done, that I didn't look at him and say, hey, how are you? What's happening for you right now? to just give him the chance and the space to explain to me what was happening. And so if there's anything I can do to help another new manager or another new leader know to ask, know to take a pause, you know, not to get so focused just on the assignment that needs to get, get done, but also to really look at the person that they're there to support and help. If, if I've done that for one person, I'll feel better. Yeah. And I think that what's so beautiful about what you just said, though, too, was that the fact that you actually recognized that it, it was a challenging time, not only for this person, but also for you. And I think that that just makes you a better leader, right? Looking back on, you know, maybe it's a mistake, right? Or sort of that situation. But I always share with people that the the best leaders today are the ones that have stumbled, right? And who have run into situations where they're not exactly proud of those situations, but ultimately they're not going to do it again. Right. And, and I think that that's the thing that I always share with people too, that, you know, it's something really, really key, which obviously you've experienced. Well, you know, I think on that though, too, is what happens is, is people don't want to be, they don't want to invade someone's privacy. Yeah. I think what happens is, is, is you don't want to ask how the person is because you think, well, maybe that's, that's too personal. And Part of what I think is changing about leadership, uh, I described this also to a to the senior team at, at McKinsey once. I said sometimes I feel like my life is is like a, a curtain on the stage. You know, like you're at the ballet or something, and the curtain's up, and behind the curtain is all the stuff that's actually happening in my life. You know, which could include like that the dishwasher needs to get fixed, and you know something needs to happen with one of my kids and something else is happening with my mother, but that there's a series of things that are happening in my life that are actually really quite important to me and need to get done, but they all live behind the curtain. And then in front of the curtain is all the sets of things that everyone assumes is what I'm focused on, which is all the things that are happening in my professional life that are relatively visible to people. And I think 
the more that in a modern style of leadership, people can give at least a little bit of a glimpse of what's behind the curtain, it makes it more reasonable and, and understanding for colleagues that are younger in the organization to see that everybody's just trying to juggle all these different things and we're doing the best we can at it. And the more we can connect with each other just as people, I think the better we'll all be. Yeah. Well, it's authentic leadership, right? I think that that, and you know, you've got kids in college. I've, I've had this conversation with my own three kids that are in college and one in high school, but it's, uh, I think that it's really important. And I think that as Gen Z starts to come up the ranks too, that that's really what they want. And, um, and I, I believe that millennials kind of started this. Um, to some extent, but I think that Gen Z is going to be, they're right on it too. They want people to sort of know who they are as individuals and they want to be individuals too. But I think being a leader and sort of trying to really understand who that person is. One thing that I've talked about and kind of managing during this time as well is that definitely treating people as equals obviously has been a huge topic, but I think in the case of a pandemic, actually looking at individuals and sort of knowing that there's, you know, different, um, you know, it, it's not based on levels. It's not based on anything else than what their journey is and sort of where they've ultimately, what, what are they dealing with? And, well, and they're someone's child, they're someone's sister, they're someone's, totally. someone's mother. I mean, Everyone is someone to someone else too, and trying to have an understanding of the responsibility that each person has for others in their life and how they're balancing that with their commitments at work. Super important. So 2021 planning for companies, what do you think is the, is the, the magic um, behind actually, you know, figuring out what's going to happen in 2021? You know, it's interesting. We, at the prior, actually to the pandemic, but at the, Prior to the pandemic, companies were already talking about, you know, fear of economic, either recession, depression. Uh, these are all words that were being used prior to the pandemic. And we actually took a look at 2008 to see what was the difference between companies that thrived coming out of the 2008 economic disruption versus those that didn't. And, and what's interesting when you look at that it, is that it is all different versions of putting your foot on the accelerator and meaning whether it's foot on the accelerator in the form of getting on top of opportunities to expand margins or whether or not it's getting on top of opportunities to launch new products or whether it's new M&A, companies that, that thrived were absolutely on the offensive. And one of the reasons why I think that's interesting is because 2020 has been so exhausting and we have been, you know, sprinting a marathon or whatever uh, expression you want to use is, you know, as leaders trying to figure out how can you continue to be on the offensive going into 2021, recognizing that you need to make sure that you are nurturing the well-being of your full organization. And so, you know, one of the analogies that I have uh, used internally is just talking about the concept of a hit workout, right? In a high intensity interval training workout. And just the idea that we have to figure out ways to push very hard when that's what's for us, but then make sure that there are moments for rest and recovery. And the, what has been so tricky for most of our folks is finding the way to step away from the Zoom, step away from the conference call, step away from the email, and really make sure that you're giving yourself enough breaks during the day. And I don't think there's going to be any way for companies to grow and expand and respond to what's happening in our overall economy 
if they're not able to create that sense of renewal in their own in their own people in their own organization mm -hmm. and to create a culture that really respects that need for renewal. Yeah, I think that that's absolutely absolutely true. And hopefully new businesses will actually stem from this time as well. I mean, I think that for me is uh as an entrepreneur, I mean, that's another piece that that I'm super hopeful I, I lived through the 2008-2009 and, and saw, you know, lots of really interesting companies that I wouldn't have even dreamt up for a minute to be developed out of those challenging times. So hopefully we'll see that in 2021 as well. well so I, I think we will. I mean, there's so many changes in terms of consumer trends and behaviors. I mean, just if you take in the like really basic cleaning and hygiene space, or if you t just take in the pivot the, the magnitude of the pivot of purchasing via digital patterns or the magnitude of the pivot of what's happening in terms of video communication. I think there's so many places where new businesses can, can thrive uh, coming out of the experience that we've all shared over the past, uh, over the past year. Yeah, I totally, totally agree. Even uh, the, the zoom, the zoom world that we live in as much as like, I love zoom. I keep wondering, you know, when we're going to be able to, you know, have people standing right on on the zooms and just walking around and not live in this Brady Bunch world, right? So I, the entrepreneur in me is constantly like thinking about how that will change and where is that super smart uh, team of en of engineers and entrepreneurs that are going to come up with a, a new way uh, to to look at it. So I love this. I love dreaming about that. So Liz, thank you so much for coming on and giving all of your wisdom and congratulations on everything that you're doing at McKinsey and, and really what McKinsey's doing. And, and I really appreciate this. And uh, where's the best place for people to find out more about McKinsey and also follow you? Oh, well, I you can find me on LinkedIn. And for McKinsey, you can always go to McKinsey.com. We have an endless stream of new insights to share. Uh, almost every day. Yeah. And you were talking about the workplace um, document and, and there's so much um, that I've, that I've, I love reading about everything that McKinsey is doing. It's really keeps me, uh, keeps me going on, on sort of thinking about how to ultimately lead and, and really hear about what so many other people are doing. So, well, thank you so much. And everybody, if you liked this uh, podcast, please, Give Liz super high marks and come back and visit us on Mondays and Wednesdays. We do this podcast and bring on lots of great leaders and entrepreneurs and authors and people who just have really, really great insights. So thanks, everybody. Have a great week. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in. This book is designed for anyone who wants to succeed in the face of fear, overcome doubts, and live a little undaunted. Order your copy today at undauntedthebook.com and learn how to look your doubts and doubters in the eye and achieve your dreams. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free case of Hint Water. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. 
And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Kara Golden. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.